When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. McDavid centers one-timer score. Oscar Clefbaum in Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time, it's Clefbaum. He'll swing it out to the outside, and it is to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos. Darrell Walker. With the touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. Hey, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Looking out over the field, the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Heck, there's going to be a game here on May 27th, but tonight the focus, the CFL draft. First overall pick coming up right away. We'll keep you updated as we move along. Of course, our big focus will be the Eskimos, who are selecting 10th overall. Hockey tonight, Washington and Pittsburgh early in the second period. The Capitals are on a power play. There is no score. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays playing the first half of a doubleheader in Cleveland. Well... Uh, They just won the first game of the doubleheader in 11 innings, 13-11 over Cleveland. So now they'll uh, regroup and uh, get ready for the second game. It was 9-9 going to extras. The Blue Jays got four in the top of the 11th, and Cleveland came back with two in the bottom of the 11th. So they combined for 24 runs and 32 hits in that game. Josh Donaldson returned to the Blue Jays lineup. He hit a home run. He went three for seven with three RBIs and three runs. So he makes an impact in his first game since uh, April 10th. The Raptors are on the court right now. And uh, Jack Michaels is moving closer to winning a dinner, courtesy of me, at Northern Chicken, because we have bet on this series. Cleveland won game one in overtime, didn't lead until the very end of the game, and they have pulled away in the third quarter here, and now early in the fourth lead the Raptors 105-87. There's your scoreboard update. Reed Wilkins with you at Commonwealth Stadium, and I'm pleased to be joined by Eskimos long snapper Ryan King. Ryan, how's life? Life's good. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a long off season uh, coming off of an injury, but uh, we're football weather's turned in the city finally. Uh, <laughs> we can get rid of winter now, and uh, snow's all melted at Commonwealth, and uh, it's uh, it's good to be back out running around, and uh, you know just getting close to season. Well, I, I appreciate you stopping by and, and staying a little later because I know you're you're doing a lot of uh, training, obviously, and coming back from the injury. And I, I want to talk to you about your draft day experience. But I think the big story for you is the injury. We were just talking off air, and I'd actually uh, forgotten how much time you missed. I mean, you, you got hurt relatively early in the season, and, and you were stuck being a spectator and and a, and a guy on recovery for most of the year. Yeah, it's uh, it was it was a tough uh, it was a tough injury to go through, especially when when we did. It was uh, game seven. Uh, we started off seven and zero, so we were on that good little winning run there, and uh, everything seemed to be running smooth. Season off to a good start, getting out after the first quarter, and then uh, 
ended up having to go in to kick a ball for uh, for Sean White. I was uh, the backup kicker at the time and uh, ran down and planted and, and knee, knee gave out and yeah, blew my ACL up and uh, had to get uh, surgery a month later and and like you said, it's uh, it was a tough time getting uh, just sat down. You know, you're you're out of the locker room immediately. You're on the IR. Yeah, you're, uh, you're about to get into surgery now. It's surgery prep. It's not week to week prep. It's not game prep. Uh, it's a totally different mindset. And uh, you know, it really does kind of stop everything you're doing, and it stops uh, really quickly when things are usually going quick in, in season. So it's uh, that was kind of a shock, but. Uh, I'm just uh, real grateful that I got, uh, you know, such good physio teams looking after me. We're, we're ahead of schedule, plan to be back uh, for week one this year. Um, and, uh, you know, things are moving moving forward every week, every month with the knee. And uh, it's been a tough, tough offseason, but it's been uh, – it's very rewarding now for sure. So uh, how, how long was it until you were able to kind of start moving around and feeling like – an athlete again after going through a major knee injury and surgery um you know and, and these are things that uh per surgery basis it, it depends on the athlete you know how your knee is before how bad you hurt it um and as athletes you get surgery so quick so this, there's still swelling in your knee and there's a lot of things that doctors don't want to see so they have to kind of go in and do it for timeline purposes uh and uh, i was told you know you might be able to walk out of surgery you know if things go well it's pretty smooth um, I was uh, I was a mess after surgery. I was definitely not walking out of surgery. I was uh, getting wheelchaired out, and uh, it was a tough first month at home. You know, for about two three weeks, you're pinned up on the couch, and you literally can't move at all. Um, so that was kind of tough to go through. Um, thankful for you know family and friends and stuff coming by all that time uh, in those moments. But uh, and then it's just a slow and steady uh, learn to learn to walk again, learn to sit down, stand up, uh, learn to to move around, twist turn you have to really teach your entire knee how to move again so it's a long journey it's a long process but uh, and there's a lot of ups and downs during it um but you you really uh, you're really grateful for for uh, your recovery and and all the people around you in those moments when you uh, you get hurt in a season like that could be a career ender you know and, and it has been for other people and and you know there's a point after surgery uh, you got to make that decision that you're going to go every day uh, and uh, you know give it your all so I uh, haven't missed a single day of physio even on on trips that I went on all my physio gear was with me and uh, good um, I feel uh, I feel like like I said we're on track and, and I'm going to be real proud to, to be running on that field game one. Well, that's good to hear. And, and look, the reality is there's always guys looking to take your job. And if you can't, if you can't do your job because of injury, who knows? As much as they, you know, a lot of coaches will say, well, you can never lose your job because of an injury. The bottom line is that's not true. It happens all the time, right? So you're sitting there, somebody else is doing your job, and, and uh, who knows what his contract could be or age could be and how that could affect you. Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm a big believer. In, you know, this is seven, seven seasons now. You know, I've been through, um, you know, we've drafted snappers we've signed snappers uh, i've had to compete in training camps i've had training camps where i've had no one in there um and that's just part of the game that's what you love about football at a professional level there's always competition you always got to be you know working out every day uh trying to improve yourself if it's in diet if it's sleeping if it's recovery uh, you know as you get older you, you're everything changes too so you got to um be willing to kind of adjust and adapt your schedules and, and everything as you get older you know and especially coming off of an injury but um 
you know, I, I love competition. I love going to a training camp, you know, winning a job out. And I, and I really do believe uh, that I've won it every year I've come into camp. And um, it's been great to meet some guys like Mike Benson, Jorgen Huss, uh, two guys that were in Edmonton and now are starting snappers in other uh, teams. So we uh, we have a good little uh, community. We all kind of stay together. We all talk in the offseason. Uh, I just had Chad Rempel from uh, Winnipeg uh, drive up to Edmonton for the last week just to snap oh, nice. and get working for the whole week. So we kind of stay together. And, uh, you know, you just got to kind of keep quiet all the noise around you and, and just keep doing what you're doing and believe in what you're doing and uh and you know things all work out the way they should rempel's a great interview too as you are like when you guys are retired you could do a talk show like maybe a podcast called the snap show the snap show i like that <laughs> I'll, I'll uh i'll make sure i tag him in this and, yeah. and, and talk I about could, that then you could have me as a guest yeah yeah no that'd be great we'll bring you on you'll be you'll be one of our first ones on you started the snap show i'm gonna remember that actually that's 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 great uh eskimo's long separate ride king joining us on inside sports give uh give fans a sense of the the uh, the rule change in terms of what the rushers can do as compared to maybe what they were used to allowed to do when you're you know looking back through your legs snapping yeah. because it's a little safer for you now in that part isn't it I, uh, I, I hope that anyway that's what they wanted to do yeah you know they, they, the game has gone uh slowly gone offensive uh, as the years have gone since sure. I've been here. Uh, and that's, you know, that's normal, you know, evolution of the game as well, too. Fans want touchdowns, fans want to go. So I, so I agree with all that kind of stuff. And the idea behind that was, was, was A, you know, for safety reasons, you know, but also to give the returner, um, you know, kind of equal amount of space and open field to, to make a dynamic play. And it's a, it's a big play um, if you can score and move position on a, on a special teams at that time. So, um you know, I think the rule change was was the right move. So, uh, so can a guy a guy can't line up directly across from you when you're snapping on a punt? Well, you know, uh, on on the rule book, you know, it, <laughs> okay. uh, it might it might say something like that. But I think there's, uh, I think it's penciled in, and, and some of the letters are erased in there. And I so you're you still can, sometimes getting drilled. Oh man, where I'm getting, you can't you know, I can see. snap the ball, and I'm I'm on my back real quick. You know, okay. especially on field goals. You know, it's. Uh, you know, you get the big, big Elmondo Sewells lining up in front of you. Like, you know, there's, there's no stopping him once you move that ball. So it's the rule states uh, I have to get my, my head up uh, as fast as I can in a safe manner to protect myself, which okay. basically is the same equivalent time that a D lineman can just bull rush off the ball and hit me pretty much. So Okay, and they're obviously not going to wait. They go, hey, Ryan, are you ready to block me no, out? Okay, here yeah. I come, yeah. No, but, but, but you know, our <laughs> systems and our schemes we run on teams uh, – um, I can kind of pick and choose who I'm blocking. You know, we can, you know, fake certain things and okay. block other people. So me, me and Calvin have been, uh, you know, blocking the A-gaps basically for seven years now together. So we got a good understanding of, of who I should take, who who I shouldn't. Um, there's always ways to work around it, but... Uh, it's it's I wouldn't say it's safer out there, but but you know it's as safe as it could be, and that's all you can kind of ask for. We're playing we're playing professional football, and and you know I want to hit people, and I expect people to, to want to hit me as well too. Right, but you have one of those jobs, and we've touched on this before. You have like you don't have the headline grabbing job, right? I mean, you got the job. You're, uh, you know, as I said, you're looking when you're on the field, you're looking upside down when mm-hmm. you're actually doing yeah. your job. <laughs> And it's the type of job that a lot of times no one notices unless you snail and 
I don't know if I don't think you missed one last year, but unless you sail a staff over someone's head, no I've had, one mentions I've had one, the long one error in seven years, and that was uh, that's it. You still remember no, the I only do. one? Uh, it was in Calgary. Uh, it was a Labor Day game, and uh, Burke Dales was the punter, and uh, the ball came in. It was just super slick. That was when they rotated the football, so like, a, like the ref could drop a ball, and it could be a brand new waxed ball, or it could be a thrown out ball. You know, you never know. So you have to be okay. adjusting to that. And and I was a young rookie, first year kid, and I, and I sent a, just a low heater right at Burke Dales's toes, and he kind of muffed it and got hit. And that's the one he broke his his foot on. Oh uh, right. On so that you know, I, I injured. I felt horrible. You know, I felt it was all my fault. And but that's just you know, that's again the the sad reality of the position that you know when you screw up, it can be really bad because uh, there's a lot of angles. That put uh, you know kickers in real bad positions if if there's any errors in that. Um, so uh, it's kind of you know from that moment on I, I kind of dedicated myself to to never have an error again and and uh, I can uh, happily say that I, I have it in you know six and a half seasons from then. So uh, that's part of the job though and and I enjoy that part of the job is the pressure of that of that position and and, and that role and that, and that's to me what I'm uh, gives me all my credit. You know I don't need to be headline. I don't want to be any of that. But knowing that I had a perfect game, we got all of our kicks off. We hit a game winner. Right. You know, if I can go make a tackle, maybe get a force fumble or something like that, that, that's big for me. So that's all I'm looking to do. The Hamilton Tiger Cats have taken wide receiver Mark Chapman first overall out of Central Michigan. Offensive lineman Trey, Ruth, uh, Trey Rutherford out of Connecticut goes second to Montreal. The Eskimos will pick 10th. Long snapper Ryan, uh, Ryan King is with us. 38th overall pick in 2012. We're going to get his draft day story when we get back. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Oh, there you've heard of that guy, right? Yeah, Mike Riley, the man, the myth, the legend. <laughs> well, I don't think the MOP is going to go to his head. I don't think you guys have anything to worry about. No, I don't think so. Mike, Mike's a great. He's a great teammate. He's, it's been it's been awesome to kind of see him evolve uh, over his years and grow into the position and be MOP. Super proud of him, winning that well deserved and. You know, he's been, I've seen this coming for a, for a lot of years playing with Mike, and he's, uh, he's a true leader in there, and it's pretty cool to play for him. I'm Reed Wilkins. That's Ryan King, long snapper for the Edmonton Eskimos. Fifth round pick, 38th overall in 2012 out of St. Mary's. So you, you went through this draft day experience, but I, but I think before we get to that, your whole draft year experience was uh, unique and perhaps not really one you would wish on other people. What happened? No. Um, so my draft year uh, ended up being the year that they implemented a new uh, eligibility rule for CIS. At the time, it was called CIS. And it was the seven-year rule. So that was the whole problem they had with the junior players playing for five years, going to CIS, playing for five years, uh, 2011 Vanier Cup, I think, or um, the Vanier Cup, St. Mary's, uh, Manitoba. I think the average age was you know 28 years old or right. something. So I get the rule change needed to happen, and um, but it unfortunately happened on my fourth year of eligibility, which was my draft year. So I came off of uh, my best year, um, setting a school record at my school, stayed there all off season to train, um, rolled into training camp, and the league uh, came, basically showed up and said, we're have to put this new rule in. And unfortunately, you played four years of Edmonton Wildcats, junior football. You already played your three years of uh, eligibility in, in uh, CIS, and uh, so you're now ineligible to play this season. Jeez. So I was in training camp when I found that out. Sorry, um, and this was September of 2011, basically? Yeah, August yeah, of 2011? Because yeah, yeah. then you were drafted in May of 2012. Yeah, so 
So I, I had, a, you know, obviously a little meltdown for a couple of days, and then uh, my coach uh, uh, brought me in, and you know, I was a defensive captain of the team, middle linebacker, um, and uh, brought me in to to get on the coaching roster. So he signed me up, coached. Uh, I was the front seven coordinator uh, for the year. It was a real cool experience to go through. I was running meetings. Uh, I was the linebacker that backed me up was now my go-to guy. I was coaching him, sending right. him on blitzes, and so I learned a lot about the game. But now there's no game film on you. No, for the year yeah, the close the most recent year where you're going to be picked yeah yeah so and, and i came off of a great year you know um and, and so so i had to find a way to, to be creative and, and to, to still get my name out there so coaching was one of them stayed in there you know made, made a point of, of giving it my all and 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 you know invested a lot of time in that year coaching and then the second semester of uh, st mary's i actually uh, uh dropped out of all my classes took my student loan money that I had for that semester, flew down to San Diego, uh, where I had a facility that I lined up and a, uh, Mitch Palmer, who was a 15-year NFL long snapper. Yeah. So I went down there for three months, lived in a hotel, uh, trained at a facility, worked with the long snapper. At the time, Taylor Inglis was coming into retirement, which I'm very good friends with, and yep. we talked about the whole kind of transition possibility. And um, he sent his CFL balls down to, to San Diego um, for me to use those to transition from the NFL balls. And um, I was talking kind of to some teams along that that uh, that time and. Uh, I thought I was kind of crazy, to be honest, doing it, but I, I knew I had to do something just to show that I was still kind of in it to win it, and I was still in great shape, and, and I was actually even healthier because I had time to, uh, you know, give my, my body some break, but... Uh, um, yeah, so then I, I came back from uh, San Diego. The next day, uh, Taylor Inglis picked me up. We drove into the stadium, and, and I had my workout with uh, Eric Tillman, Kavis Reed, and Ed Hervey. Uh, and that was, the, that was the start of the whole, the whole process of getting drafted. So it was... Uh, it was a very unique situation that I went through getting in my draft year, but it, you know it's something that I do. Uh, I'm very glad it happened. Yeah. Uh, it kind of transitioned me from being a linebacker to a, to, to another position. I realized that uh, you know this is an opportunity I can learn to actually snap. Right. I was a backup snapper forever. I used to tee off on snappers all the time. Like that was like my job. <laughs> so on you know, return, like you know? I was asking you about before. Yeah. You know, which even helps me now because I, I see linebackers <laughs> you, when they're you looking know who's at me. Coming, yeah. You know, if he ain't looking at me, he's he's coming for me. So <laughs> so I've, I've learned a lot of these things from my own uh, my own doings out there, but. Uh, so, it, you know, it, it slowed me down. It opened my, me up to another position. And, and, uh, and, you know, seven years later in a great cup. And, you know, I absolutely love what I'm doing. And I love being a part of the locker rooms. And, and uh, you know, it was, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a cool experience to go through now looking back at it. Um, at the time, it was tough to go through. But those are just all, uh, you know, speed bumps. Had a lot of guys getting drafted today. There's going to be a lot of unique stories, you know, maybe not like mine, but, uh, but very similar. All right, so your your draft day in 2012, as I mentioned, you went 38th overall, fifth round of the Eskimos. What was that day like for you? I mean, obviously you'd had the workouts, so you knew you were getting looked at. There was a pretty good chance, but you know, well, every athlete, I'm sure there's that there's that what if. So what was the day like? Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, and it, I was nervous that day, just 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 waking up and just knowing that. Um uh, you know, I just basically dropped out of a semester of school, spent all my money. You know, if this doesn't work today, then, you know, mom and dad might be pretty, pretty upset at me, you know. So, uh, um, but I knew I put the hard work and I knew, you know, I knew I, I went through the right channels to, to get the right workouts and to talk to the right people. And um, I got a great group of people in my corner, you know, that really helped uh, helped out along the way to, to get, set this all up. Uh, 
you know, and especially Taylor English, you know, he retired and basically hand, hand gave me his position and yeah. was there along the whole journey, was there the one talking to coaches and saying, hey, Kinger's down in San Diego, you know, I'm sending my footballs, you know, if, you, if, if this works out, I'm going to transition out. And so it was just like a, almost a dream story. But uh, going back to draft day, I, uh, I went to, to a little sports bar in, in Sherwood Park and uh, just wanted it low-key, had my two best friends, my dad, my mom, and my, and my two brothers, and that was it. Because it was just kind of we we sat at the back, you know, played some played some played some golf, and uh, right. obviously I knew I wasn't going on TV or anything like that because I was going way down on the list. But uh, I sat there refreshing the computer um, at uh, at the sports bar, and, and sure enough, uh, everything. Uh, actually, there was a there was a trade of picks in, in like the fourth and fifth round, and and so I thought the fourth pick was mine because I was like, this is my pick, and it didn't okay. wasn't me. So I was oh, like, geez. oh no, this is my what's going on? And sure enough, the fifth was mine. So um, it, it was a it was a cool it was a cool moment. Uh, my dad, my, you know, my family's super excited. It's uh, looking back at it now, it's one of those things that you're 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 most happy for the people that are in your corner. Uh, all the, the, the coaches and players that you've touched from minor football on, you know, they all have a piece of what you've just accomplished. And that was what's most cool for me uh, because I think uh, to be an successful athlete, you got to kind of always be given away instead of taken. And uh, that was kind of how I felt at that moment. And that's how I kind of still continue to play is try to give back as much as I can. And, um, you know, even when I get hurt and they bring snappers in, I'm the first one there coaching them up, watching film with them and just trying to get, you know, the position and the people in this league better. And I think uh, today is an exciting day for, for not only the draft class, but, uh, you know, there's not only going to be a lot of great players that get drafted today, but there's going to be a couple exceptional ones. So it'll be cool to find out. And how about this? The U of A's Mark Cordy has gone fourth overall, the Ottawa Red Blacks. So even higher than he was expected to go. So good for Mark. We've had him on the show uh, in the past few weeks as well. So uh, that's awesome for the U of A program. Now, you mentioned about giving back as well. Ryan King from the Eskimos joining us. We're live at Commonwealth Stadium for a CFL draft and other discussion. We're, we're into the last 90 seconds before the news. But where are you going as soon as we're done? Uh, going to coach coach up my kids. Uh, me and Calvin McCarty, my little brother, uh, our King McCarty camps have been uh, – doing great for the last five years now and we've been growing running camps and going to schools and teams and training kids and, and just trying to stay as busy as we can in the offseason getting out minor football uh it's where i i started playing football so it's for me a big focus is to go give back to, to the kids so it's uh i'm looking forward to getting out of here and driving over i got the west end raiders today over at st effects uh athletic field over there so they uh the kids love me i love the kids and and yeah it's a lot of fun Right on. Brian, thanks a lot for dropping by. I know it's a busy day for you with the training, and, and uh, you've battled back hard from the knee injury. Thanks for sharing those stories, and thanks for sharing your uh, draft year and draft day experiences. Obviously, still uh, fond memories for uh, even back six years ago. And all the, I know, obviously, we'll talk again, but uh, all the best this season coming up. Thanks a lot. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chad. Michigan has tickets. The Penguins turn back into the play. Simone in front, shooting the puck at the end. The Penguins have scored. Simone shot it. It may have hit somebody in front. Gensel may have touched that puck, and the Penguins have taken a one nothing lead. Holy cheese and crackers! The Penguins get the first goal in this game. 
There's Mike Lang with the call from the Penguins Radio Network. It was Gensel's ninth of the playoffs. Since then, TJ Oshie has scored his fourth for the Capitals. There are two teams in a 1-1 tie. Six minutes left in the second period. Caps lead the series 2-1. Predators and Jets later on. 7.30 Mountain Time faceoff. Winnipeg up 2-1 in that series. The Blue Jays won the first half of a doubleheader. 13-11 over Cleveland in 11 innings. And speaking of Cleveland and Toronto... The Cavaliers up two games to nothing now on the Raptors. Just stormed past them in the third quarter and won game two, 128-110. The Oil Kings selected Dylan Gunther first overall in the WHL draft today. Oil Kings GM Randy Hanch will join us later on on Inside Sports Night in about an hour. Uh, And uh, you mentioned there before the break, Mark Cordy from the University of Alberta. Offensive lineman goes fourth overall in the CFL draft to the Ottawa Red Blacks. Receiver Mark Chapman out of Central Michigan goes first overall to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Reed Wilkins live at Commonwealth Stadium. Eskimos play-by-play voice Morley Scott joining me. Good evening, hey, Morley. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming down. Uh, pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be here. It's funny. What well, The basketball game tonight, Cleveland over Toronto is becoming like the hockey situation with... Uh, Pittsburgh over Washington. Well, maybe not this year. <clears throat> That's true. That's true. Maybe they're turning the corner this I year. I got a northern chicken dinner. I heard. I heard, yes. That with uh, Jack Michaels on the basketball series. Not going well that for me. That was an old-fashioned butt-kicking today. I mean, the Raptors were up by 11 in the second quarter. Yeah, they were looking time. really good in the second quarter. Even at halftime, they were still ahead. Uh, by the way, some, good some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. Some guests, Marley, not oh. all. Okay. It always works out that way. You always read that before I come on and then tell me I don't get one. Well, (laughs) man. That's because I always think, like, who doesn't need chicken? (laughs) Morally. That's true. I don't need much. (laughs) I don't need anything. I already had my free meal next door, courtesy of the Eskimos, and I thanked them for that. that, That's true. We did get a little bit of pasta here uh, from Boston Pizza. So, uh, Washington and Pittsburgh going at it. You know, no, no, on a really serious note, though, uh, Morley, obviously the the, uh, the the Oilers, the Edmonton hockey community, uh, lost somebody, Brian Ross, earlier yeah. this week that uh, you got to know pretty well during your years covering the team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Roscoe, is, uh, he is a unique guy. He was a special guy. I was lucky enough I got to sit beside him on the bus for a few years. So we talked a lot. We had a lot of chuckles. Um, yeah, the thing that I always remember about Brian is that smile. Just he was always smiling and, and cracking jokes. And, and uh, the thing that I, and it's been touched on a little bit by people who talked about, and the thing that I will remember most about Brian is his, his, ability or his want to do anything, anything to help out. I mean, he had his job. I mean, and he here's a guy who worked his way up. He started with the uh, with the the stores that the that the Oilers ran, right? The, the the merchandise stores, and he was he started working there, then managed them, and then moved up into the hockey department. But he would do anything. I mean, if if uh, the bags had to be moved off the truck into the dressing room, he'd help the trainers do that. If uh, you know somebody needed, if they needed something at the drugstore on the road, he'd. Get 
fit in a cab and go get it. He would do whatever the team needed him to do. He was a, he was a perfect team guy. He was a guy who was just so dedicated to the Oilers organization and willing to do whatever it took. To, those little things behind the scenes that help teams be successful and help teams win. Uh, a good human being, a great guy. Um, I uh, yeah, I'll, I'll miss him for sure. I haven't seen him for a while. We used to live in the same neighborhood, and we used to it, it, it kind of worked out every two weeks. We'd see each other at Safeway, and we'd end up standing in the aisle at Safeway or in the parking lot talking for you know 15 or 20 minutes. But uh, yeah, he was. Uh, I got to spend a lot of time with him when I was doing other games, and uh, really enjoyed being around Brian. Yeah, I, I didn't get to know him uh, that well, being I guess relatively newer to the to the Oilers uh, beat as compared to some other media guys. But uh, yeah, very uh, very well respected, and when I when I was around him, I always was struck by his, his positive energy and his his attitude and uh, you know he battled cancer really hard over the last few years and and you mentioned his willingness to do anything that includes even let guys take 100 mile per hour slap shots at him that is true he'd jump that in, is true. He'd jump in and, and, sometimes. And, and his claim to fame in that department as he was the oldest practice goalie was uh one time in chicago uh a goaltender was injured the night before i can't remember the personnel uh, wise but the, and another goalie was being called up so he was traveling all day but he his plane didn't land till like five o'clock in the afternoon so by the time he got his luggage and everything and got to the rink, it was going to be too late for the warm-up. So Brian got to take the warm-up in Chicago at the United Center one night. And uh, he came out and he had a jersey on. They had his name on the back of it. And he stood in there and he took shots in the pregame warm-up and then went back in the dressing room and uh, did the video. That's one thing about Brian, too. He never saw many games because he was always in the bowels of whatever arena we are in, watching the game on video and, and doing the video of the game and cutting up video. And he'd get messages from the coaches. I want to see that at the intermission. I want to see that at right. the intermission. So uh, he was at every game, but he never got to see many of them other than watching them on the monitor. Yeah. Well, I mean, thanks for sharing those memories. Brian Ross, he'll, he'll, he'll be missed. It's Absolutely. Condolences to his, to his family and his love. You know, you, you know, you, you know somebody special when people just you got one one name from, right? Roscoe. Everybody right. knows who Roscoe is in the organization. You talk to the people who've been around the owners organization for a lot of years, and you just say Roscoe, and they know who you're talking about. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Marley. Great stuff for sure about Brian Ross. So we're here at Commonwealth Stadium. We got the CFL draft underway, and uh, you know it's this is always an interesting night for me because you have players picked from all over. Um, it's now these guys are what are they, they're not Canadians anymore. What are they? Nationals. Nationals. They're nationals. Nationals. Right, but they can play in Canada. They can play in the states, but yeah. they're Canadian players. So you're not drafting any American guys. Those guys all get signed. And uh, this is a fun night for me. You, you know, great to see Mark Cordio of the U of A get picked uh, high because it was more. It, I, it seemed like to me there was more anticipation he might go six, seven, eight. He goes four, offensive lineman, and he's been doing really well. The the thing about tonight is. Talking to Ryan King, and he referenced Calvin McCarty. Those are two guys taken, you know, in the second half of the draft that have had, especially McCarty, and you know, King's been around since 2012. I mean, you get some important guys on the team. Maybe, maybe they're not names above the title, like Mike Riley's going to be. Yeah. But you get some pretty important Canadian players. And a lot of times in this draft, you don't. Uh, where you're drafted doesn't necessarily affect what you end up doing on the team. And like you pointed out, Calvin McCarty was a late-round pick. Even just going back to last year, and, and lots has to play out, obviously, with these two guys. But, I mean, Nate Bahar 
drafted in the first round by the Eskimos. Tremendous upside, but didn't come to training camp because he had a contract dispute. Ended up playing, I think, two snaps on offense, right. but was on special teams for the 12 games he played. Not really an impact player last year. And then taken in the fifth round was Kwaku uh, Boteng who dropped his stock dropped for whatever reason he could have been a late first rounder early second rounder didn't go to the fifth he ends up being the Eskimos nominee for rookie of the year he had four sacks and he's basically this year kind of forcing the Eskimos to flip the uh, flip the ratio on the defensive line they were all American last year this year they're making plans for possibly him being a starter this year so it it really doesn't matter and the key phrase I've heard that I've I've really liked about draft day draft day doesn't matter training camp matters right right? Uh, it doesn't matter where you get drafted uh, on draft they, it's important, it's cool, it's fun, but you still got to go to training camp and get a job. Well, it's interesting, too, with, I mean, Canada's becoming a better sports country overall. We're not just producing hockey players yep. and curlers and figure skaters anymore, like would have been the majority. They're all still good. They're all but, still really yeah, good. Yeah. But, but I mean, the, the, the debate sometimes, depending on the year, is, is that guy going to go to the NFL? I mean, Austin Pastor was a big old yeah. lineman that, uh, I can't remember if the Eskimos drafted for him or traded for him. Was that part of drafted. the Ray deal? Part of the Ricky Ray part trade, the, the, the pick they got for Ray, they traded and got that pick. Anyway, okay. it was kind of convoluted. But, yeah, uh, and we haven't seen him. He's never been I here. mean, uh, Stephen Charles, defensive lineman, uh, they drafted him. The last time they didn't have a first-round pick, they drafted him. Uh, I think it was the first pick in the second round as well, just like this year. And haven't seen him. Uh, last year they drafted Justin Sr., uh, Tavon Smith. Haven't seen them yet. And that's the, that's the thing. I think if there's any fault, and the Eskimos have produced some pretty good players via the draft the last handful of years, especially last year was a knockout year. Uh, in the draft, but maybe the knock on the Eskimos the last few years is they're picking players that are too good, right? Because they're going to the NFL, <laughs> and you anticipate ah they'll go, they'll go to mini camp, maybe get an invite, but they'll be back here soon. But they're not coming back soon. Arjun Colhoun was in that boat for a while. He yep. he spent they drafted him in the second round a couple of years ago. He spent a year in the NFL before he signed with the Eskimos last year. So uh, yeah, that's it's really there's more to it than just talent in in a in a CFL draft because you got to go by positional need and you have to go by who you think is going to be impactful. And I, I saw, a tw- I think it was Section O had a great tweet today, and I and I'll, I, I'll paraphrase a little bit. He said, stay away from guys who have medical or getting medical degrees or lawyers because they're the guys <laughs> who leave after four years because they can make more money, right? right? So it's it, there's all sorts of things that go into it um, as far as uh, drafting players in the CFL goes. It's not just who's the best player out there. you got to decide, well, do I need that guy at that position to be Canadian? And is he going to go to the NFL? And Kavis Reed this week talked about that first pick, and he said, whoever we take with that pick or whoever we get with, if we trade that pick, I want him to be an impact player. And they got a pretty good offensive lineman in the trade for the pick and Ryan Bombin. So, you know, it depends what your needs are, right? And teams need at certain positions, and you got to go after them. Like, I, I anticipate the Eskimos possibly today drafting a defensive end, because I mentioned Kwaku oh, okay. Boateng is probably going to be a starter, so once you go Canadian to that position, you got to have a backup for him, right? Back. Just like last year, that's why they drafted uh, Christoph Malumba chimanga because they knew they were going Canadian at that linebacker spot. They probably said, ah, we won't need him, because uh, we'll, we got two guys ahead of him, but everybody at that spot got injured. He ended up starting nine games for the Eskimos last year, so yeah, it's, it's all look about at this, Look at this sometimes. one, Morley. After video review of Jenny Mulkin has scored oh. and they, they waved it off of the ice and upon review, yeah, that's over the line. Looks like a goal to me. The puck was lying on the goal line. Braden Holtby was on his belly facing the net. His head is in the net. So he Whoops. totally got pushed around <laughs> and he just was doing a snow angel. Malkin came in from the side and poked at the puck 
and you know, yeah, and then it Smith Pelly comes in yeah. and pulls his hand out of the net, thinking the puck's under. Yeah, well, it was it was it was in twice so. then because it was in on Malkin's first shot, and then I think it flipped over the line afterwards as well. So the Penguins go up two one on the Capitals, two twenty nine left in the second period. Well, now we got another challenge. No, well, we got the sound down. I wonder now if there's a challenge for goalie interference. There usually is. <laughs> they're, usually, they're, uh, they're looking for yeah. a pa- pass interference. Once we're done the tenth, <laughs> once we're done the tenth video review, we'll tell you if this is actually a goal or not. Dave CFL Camp- game's broken out here in uh, yeah. Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's Morley Scott. Dave Campbell's going to step in, and we have Stephanie Labe with that uh, crazy story with her uh, not being allowed to play on a men's soccer team. That's all coming up inside sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, so the Nuge and Team Canada, McDavid and Nurse as well. United States tomorrow, World Championship starting in Denmark. We'll keep an eye on that one. The Penguins do lead the Capitals 2-1. So as Morley and I were discussing, they were reviewing it for the puck being across the line. Dave Campbell joining us here as well. We're live at Commonwealth Stadium. We're waiting for the Eskimos, who will probably be in about 15 minutes, be making the 10th overall pick in the CFL draft. Video review for goal line technology, I'm in favor of. That was one of those scramble plays, bodies flying around. The puck was over the line for maybe a tenth of a second, but Mm -hmm. it was over the line. Yeah, you're right. And then the Capitals challenged for goalie interference. I thought that was... uh, you know, that was a Hail Mary challenge. Well, me too. I thought, it? Like the player was kind of, br- I think it was Hornquist, sort of dove for a puck and kind of yeah. brushed Holtby, but Holtby's reaching for it, and a Capitals defenseman is diving in there yeah. as well. So th- that's one of those where it delays the game, and I think that's why, well, there are a lot of reasons people don't like the goalie interference no. challenge. And I know a lot of people say, well, get rid of, you know, video review, it's never going to happen because there's too many people involved that are, you know, coaches and GMs that, that want it, but they have to find a way to, to make it better. I, I agree with you. I think it's time to look at the goal line technology. Um, and I'm, I am glad, though, that they, the challenge did not last long. It maybe lasted about a minute. Yeah, minute that's and a true. Half, they, didn't, so. they didn't drag it on. Because I always thought the longer they reviewed it, that they were looking for they were, they were looking for something they were yep. determined to find goalie interference yep. we we, we want to look at it or there was a challenge so we better make sure we find something especially if it was a booth initiated one in the final minute of the third or mm-hmm. overtime so anyway uh, that happened quickly this is a good game penguins and capitals 2-1 last minute of the second period now uh pens are hoping to tie up the series here on home ice i mentioned the raptors getting just crushed in the second half by cleveland 128-110 unreal they could get swept now you know, I, I could see it happening. For some reason, uh, Mount LeBron is just too big of a hill to climb. And he's a good basketball player. The Cleveland Cavaliers are a good team, but, are you know, they shouldn't be better than the Toronto Raptors, who have much better depth. They have much a much better bench. They got two all-star players in Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. And for some reason, it just never happens. And I think a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is, I think there's still some immaturity on that club. And really, throughout the regular season, Dwayne Casey, the head coach, did a great job of keeping this team even keeled. And yeah, we won and we won our 50th win and we've won 11 straight or we've won, you know, we've won, 
with best home record in the league doesn't matter we got more goals to accomplish and unfortunately it doesn't look like unless they find a way to play better on well, the road yeah i mean that's you know win four out of five now yeah against lebron james <laughs> i don't think that's going to happen at all all right Reed Wilkins, Dave Campbell, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It is 653. We're live at Commonwealth Stadium. And we are, where are we now, Dave? We, we are, are pick. Eighth pick has just uh, the been Stampeders announced. Peters are going to pick, then the Argos, then the Eskimos. So can you, the Eskimos traded the sixth overall pick and the 37th for 10 and 20 mm-hmm. from Hamilton. But how come the Eskimos aren't getting the 20th pick? What happened there? It was all part of the deal made back in December when the Eskimos sent uh, a uh, third-round pick in James Franklin to the Toronto Argos for Mason Woods, uh, an offensive lineman. I believe another pick was involved as well. But the Argos were guaranteed the Eskimos' best third-round selection. Oh, okay. So the Eskimos ended up trading that third-rounder, um, and then they got it back uh, with the trades yesterday. So they got the 20th pick. So that automatically goes to the Argos. Okay. So they basically what happened is they flip picks. So the Eskimos take the Argos pick at 24 in the third round, 24th overall, and the Argos take the Eskimos' 20th overall pick. Okay, so that's what's going on there. So uh, so the Eskimos are getting close. You saw Mark Cordy got picked fourth? That's great, and I'm, I'm shocked uh, and and pleasantly surprised that he got picked that high. I thought he would go perhaps in the in the late first round, early second round for sure. Um, he's got a couple um, rookie minicamp tryouts in the NFL with the New York Jets and the New York Giants. Giants, I think, sign every Canadian prospect anyway to go to a minicamp. <laughs> they mostly get released. Uh, but good for him. Uh, it's the philosophy of the Ottawa Red Blacks that they draft O'Lyman, they, they're going to get a good one. And he joins Ed Elnicki, the uh, head right. trophy winner. He's uh, back with the Ottawa Red Blacks. So good for Mark Corday. Yeah, that's a good point. Corday was blocking for Elnicki for the yeah. past few years. Helped Elnicki rush for all those yards get the heck Crichton. Now mm-hmm. we could see that same combination in Ottawa. And they're That's not incredible. they're not adverse to starting a rookie at uh, on their own line. Uh, Justin Logan uh, Sagan a couple years ago was a first round pick and he started in the Grey Cup game. Right. So Cordy has a chance. All right, uh, Dave, before we let you go, do you expect it, Morley was anticipating maybe a defensive end for the Eskimos? What position do you think they might target with the 10? Yeah, I, I think that's a possibility. I'm looking more. There, there's a couple of defensive backs on the board. Um, one is Godfrey Onyeka. Another one is, uh, 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 oh boy, uh, totally escaped me. That's anyway, okay. Uh, Godfrey Onyeka ben- is a great name. Bennett is his last Bennett, name. Okay. Yes. Uh, so... <laughs> uh, there are very athletic defensive backs, and I'm looking at the area of, of the Eskimos. Maybe Jackson want, Bennett. Jackson Bennett. There yeah. you go. Uh, thank you. Uh, they want to maybe improve their depth at safety, perhaps. I could be totally wrong here. They do have Josh Woodman, and they also have Jordan Hoover, who they drafted last year. But uh, a couple of guys that can really play well on special teams. Uh, Onyeka could be a possibility to back up at uh, Will Linebacker. That's um, right now. That's uh, being uh, that's being occupied by Adam Konar. Uh, so that's a spot I could see them uh, trying to address. But they're in the they're in the mode right now. I think uh, they don't have any glaring needs, so they can take best player available according to to their list. And Brock Sunderland said we got over ten guys. We graded you know, at a first-round level. So we'll see what happens. It'll be very interesting. All right. The Eskimos picks coming up in a few minutes. Stephanie Labe, uh, strange story, made a uh, men's soccer team and then was told she's not allowed to play. She's going to join us after the 7 o'clock news.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.